Welcome to Elsa's Podcasts. Our mission is one podcast, one answer to the most asked questions from law students around the world. As a part of the European Law Students Association, the University of Paris City will release various podcasts in English or in French. Today, I have the pleasure to talk with uh, Salma Qureshi. Uh, hello and welcome to Elsa's uh, podcasts. So you are specialized in uh, various uh, sectors from cross-border domestic mergers, acquisitions, financial operations, joint ventures or disputes uh, resolution. As a lawyer, can you explain to us what is your job regarding uh, dispute resolutions? What is it, a dispute resolution? Hi, Ines. Thanks a lot for having me on your podcast. It's a real pleasure to be here and to have the opportunity to get students' questions and just share a bit about my background. So as you said, yes, I'm a lawyer in, I'm based in Singapore. So I'm French and UK qualified. And yeah, my main areas of practice are, I would say mostly corporate and commercial. So I do a lot of mergers and acquisitions, a lot of Um, so like for, to give it like more practical example, I'll help companies raise funds, I'll help uh, startups in their investment rounds, I will help uh, companies acquire new entities, for example, in Southeast Asia. And in terms of commercial uh, practice, we will, we would usually assist clients in terms of contracts. So if they're developing the business, there are like service agreements or partnership agreements with other entities, then we would advise them on the main clauses, things like that. And for dispute resolution, it's, it's actually quite uh, small in terms of what I do, but it's just that it, it happens at an early stage. So um, I would not be involved as a foreign lawyer in litigation, uh, like not assisting the clients in court or arbitration process. Uh, for that, it will be uh, local lawyers being involved. For arbitration, it will be someone who has a deeper background in that area. For me, I will be more involved in negoti negotiating the first stages of the discussions between the parties. So if there is a major issue and before it escalates to uh, litigation per se, I will be involved in discussions between the body trying to mediate and Um, maybe be a bit more firm on our position, but trying to find the middle ground or how we can solve this before going to court. Then if it really needs to go further, I will help the client find someone suitable to advise them. And basically, yeah, it's more mediation. As we said before, you have strong qualifications in different uh, sectors and the international part of your job is really important. So we were wondering, Did your job change during the COVID-19 pandemic? I would say yes, in the sense that it's the same problematic than for other professions that we couldn't meet our clients as we used to do. So previously, uh, lawyer and client meetings were quite common. So clients would come to the office, we'll have coffee and discuss the documents face to face. And now we're switching a lot uh, to do everything on Zoom, on Teams, on different like tools like this. So it's a different relationship, I would say. 
Um, but yeah, we're definitely adapting. And I would say that it, it brings a lot more flexibility for lawyers because usually we would lose a lot of times in all these meetings. And we do though miss meeting the clients face-to-face because it's a really like human connections that I enjoy, like really discussing from human to human and really get to know them a bit more. So maybe having a screen between us puts a lot more distance. But I find it easier to handle different um, acquisitions at the same time, different like big deadlines. So I don't have to go to a meeting or go see a client at another location. Here we're just like switching from a call to another. So we're gaining in efficiency, but we're losing a bit in human relationships. But I guess this is a problematic for everyone. Do you think your job will change in the future reporting uh, this issue? I would say yes, because um, COVID-19 made us realize that work-life balance really matters. And for lawyers, it was something we were used to work long hours, we were used to go home late. And with this switch to tech tools, we come to realize that, okay, we can do our job from home, we can be here around the kids, and it's easier, we could also be working from another country, and it brings a lot more flexibility to the job. And I'm hearing a lot of um, of my colleagues and previous uh, colleagues I had in other firms thinking more about this work-life balance and having this flexibility to handle a deal from another country where they're going to switch on holidays in a few days. So it just brings a new way to look at it that okay we could be way more flexible than before going to the firm from like every day until late at night so yeah i guess it's a good improvement for me i find it very exciting it's a big challenge for partners of course because now all the young lawyers are looking for more uh, healthy life balance and they're looking for more flexibility to be this digital nomads kind of professionals and be traveling around so I see a lot of new opportunities for flexibility for lawyers. So for example, these contracts uh, where you could be working remotely 100% and just reviewing contracts for people all around the world, which is quite amazing. I didn't know like studying back then that it could be possible for a lawyer to do that. So it's bringing a lot of new exciting opportunities and I really look forward to see where it's gonna lead. You have a Bachelor of Laws and a Master's degree from the University of Paris uh, Cité. Uh, Then you have decided to join the Master's degree in International Business Law from the University of Burgundy. Uh, Can you explain to us what is International Business Law? Um, Yeah, sure. So um, the the previous knowledge I gained was really focused in business and corporate law per se in France, how it's dealt with the different articles that are involved all the time in our agreements. And going to Burgundy was really different. First of all, I did one master one. So yeah, I think in France it's called like master one and then you have a master two and both of them are done in two years. So master one was done in Paris, which is like the city where I did all my studies. So it was the common track. Then I thought, okay, now I'm in master two. I want to do it in a different environment, maybe gain a different kind of knowledge. And Dijon was really nice because 
it took me away from the city. So it's like a small town. And I got to meet, because it's international business school, there were a lot of students from all over the world. So um, a lot from Africa. I got like people from Mali, from Senegal, from Egypt, uh, people coming from Venezuela. It was quite crazy to be in that environment and just get to know all their paths and how they came to law and how they studied law in their own country. Um, yeah, so that was exciting. And then the whole aspect of international business law is that we learn a lot about like problems like um, goods traveling from a country to another, how you could cover certain types of risk in your uh, agreement, things that we would not think about in like something uh, that would be more local, but we would think about particular clauses in case you're in a country where the politic is unstable or yes. you want to protect the business more, then we would have a lot of things that will be related to being in an international environment, like running a business. And it was yeah, quite exciting because we had also teachers from different parts of the globe. So I had a very amazing uh, Egyptian teacher who taught us about like uh, everything relating to the business, how it's run and like the international dynamic of it. So yeah, I found it amazing. Then we dive deeper in arbitration because it's something that is done a lot uh, internationally and maybe less in France where we tend to go to court more easily. And yeah, it, it gave me all this perspective about how it could be dealt with in other countries. And yeah, I got also to level up in English a bit. Um, yeah, so they put a stronger accent on handling English well and writing legally in English, which was quite different from what I learned before. And they also opened my eyes on studying abroad because we had in Dijon this partnership with, um, I think it was called Anglia Ruskin, a university in England. So they pushed us a bit to think further or that you guys could go for a semester in England, you could broaden your scope. I was not really thinking to study abroad before that, I think, because I was, I thought, okay, I'm reaching master two, then I will just take the bar exam and start practicing. But this whole thing made me super curious about studying differently. I thought, okay, if Dijon is so different from what I studied from Paris, then maybe going to England is even yes. more different. So yeah, so that's about it. And that's why maybe you then decided to go abroad uh, because you have graduated from Sorbonne and Assas International Law School in uh, Singapore and INSEAD, uh, one of the top business schools in the world. Uh, why have you decided to study abroad back then? And why this um, specific school? Yeah, so the spark started from Dijon, as I told yes. you. So I, I was already preparing to apply. I applied, actually, in different universities in England. My focus was really there. But then I discovered while preparing the bar exam in Paris that there is a partnership with Sorbonne Assas in Singapore. And, you know, as a trainee lawyers, we get to do uh, six months studies at the bar school, then six months of your own project, which could be a master degree, and then six months of internship. So I had these six months of accelerated master degree that I could do. And instead of doing it in England, I just thought, 
okay, there's this crazy partnership in Asia, let's apply for it, even though I was really not really sure someone would accept my application because it's really standard. It's not nothing fancy in my application. <laughs> and then I got accepted and I was like super excited about it. Like, okay, I'm gonna do a master degree in Asia. It sounded really exotic. <laughs> and then, yeah, that's how I ended up there. And it was like really the six best months of my life. <laughs> and then I enjoyed discovering Asia a lot traveling almost every weekend and we did have such an amazing training because it was in INSEAD building so as you said um, it's funny because it means each experience opens your eyes to a new perspective so it was Dijon opening my eyes to England then this Sorbonne attack opening my eyes to INSEAD we were in the building and we got to have several modules with the students in INSEAD with they have like um amazing teachers from all over the world with crazy credentials and we got to study business and how to communicate do marketing and all these new areas i didn't know about and yeah and we still had a strong legal training about international business but here it was a bit more oriented towards asia and what was happening there I found it really interesting and yeah, so it was a very good experience. And from there, I thought, okay, I had just an open door to INSEAD. I, I see that it's really great. Yeah. How could I put a foot there? And I thought, okay, as a lawyer, does it really make sense for me to go in an international business school? And actually when I met people there, I realized that they come from very diverse sectors uh, a lot of them are doing prestigious MBAs there. And when you stay with them a bit, you get to learn about all their experiences, people who open startups, who raised funds abroad, who met really big challenges at a young age. And I thought, I want to understand better the world of a startup founder, the world of someone who's running a business in challenging countries and maybe emerging countries and how as a lawyer, we could help this very dynamic pool of startups here in Asia growing. And for that, I need to understand how a business works. So this is why I wanted to do something in INSEAD and I got this opportunity to do the business foundation certificate. I did it in Fontainebleau in near Paris. Okay. Um, and there we, it was not a long diploma. It was like, um, I think six months, four, four to six months. I don't really recall, but I was studying at the same time and I was with professionals. So people a bit more, um, a bit older than me. And I got with them to do projects like think about a, a startup idea and then see how we could market that idea, how we could pitch it to investors, how, how we could negotiate um, investments, how I would negotiate with an employee I want to hire, like a future employee, uh, what would be the trade-off, what are the risks for me as a founder. And it's a whole shift of perspective for me as a lawyer. I used to think about the risk and now I'm focused on how to make this work with my budget, how to convince people about my idea. And it's it's really nice to change seats and to see who you're usually dealing with. 
So now when I meet founders and I help them with their startup, I really have this sympathy towards them because mm-hmm. I had this exercise to do. So <laughs> I understand where they're coming from. And I know that the challenge is way more hard than what I encountered as an exercise for a student. Yeah, so it was a very, very interesting experiment. So uh, how those diplomas uh, helped you to become the solicitor you are today? Mm, yeah, as I said, this really shaped my way of thinking about the deals that come to me. So I see them yes. more as who is the human being behind that? What is he or she looking for? What's the real struggle? And I also tend to, as I understand a bit more that aspect of business to really comfort them on other worries that they may have that are not really legal per se, but it's just that I bring this uh, relationship that I get you. So I'm gonna have your back on the legal side, but I also understand what you're going through and try to help them see uh, legal risks where they don't anticipate them, for example, but I have the eye of a lawyer, but I also try as much as I can to have the understanding of a business professional. So the INSEAD degree really helped me and yeah, all the legal training about international law, but I still think strongly that whatever we learn in school is very different from what we end up doing on a day-to-day <laughs> basis. So I did learn a lot of this about clauses and contracts and deals and MA and all that. It's just that it was so theoretical. So I understood it, did the exam and all, but <laughs> I didn't really understand what it implied. And it's really the training, like the first job and or your last internship where you really go deep in the deal or in the agreement and now you get to understand the challenges yeah so i would think that i learned more in my first job than in the two master degrees i had because that's really deeply printed in my brain okay i had this crazy case and i couldn't figure it out and i ended up solving it this way and this way and it's a whole different learning Definitely faster and more painful, <laughs> but, but it stays deeply with you for a long time. Uh, from an academic point of view, uh, when you left uh, France, France to study in a different country, uh, what was your level of English? And was it difficult to cope with the courses given in English? Mm, when I left for Singapore, my English was... I would say good, but it's because I was trying to practice it uh, before. Of course, in Dijon, we had, as I told you, um, stronger course for legal English and yes. the emphasis was there, but it was not perfect because I was not discussing with people on a day-to-day basis. So I really pushed myself to watch movies in English, to watch series in English. So I would try to see them with French subtitles in the beginning. Then I remove the subtitles going further and I see one movie, then I don't understand half of it. Then after a few like weeks that I start really getting it, I miss few jokes, so it's a bit frustrating, but you sense that your level is improving. And yeah, I think that really helped me. Then when I reached uh, Singapore, I had an approach that was 
quite different from some of my colleagues in the sense that I didn't want to stay with French students all the time. So my goal was really, okay, the French students, I was with them for five years. Now I need to see other types of students and practice English a lot. So my circle was really diverse and I tried to push myself to meet locals, to meet Singaporeans, um, to meet people when I was traveling. That's why also traveling helped me because I was trying to get to know different people while going to different countries. So you get used to different accents as well. And yeah, I think that was a, a good training for the six months in Singapore and my, my English improved then. <laughs> Yes, I, I guess it helps a lot because it is hard to, to get a good level of English. Um, so internships uh, sorry, are known to be a key part of a student journey. Uh, we usually push students to find internships when they are undergraduate students. Uh, and it is not always easy to find internships. Uh, did you find internships when you were an undergraduate uh, student? Uh, what should a student do to cope with this issue when he doesn't find an internship? I did a lot of internships. So for me, I had an internship every summer from okay. my first year of bachelor degree. Uh, until I graduated. <laughs> so okay. it was a goal for me because I loved the idea of being a lawyer from the beginning. So I wanted okay. to be there. I wanted to go to court. I wanted to see what was going on. And it was very exciting. But it's true that it's difficult. So you need to be ready mentally to get rejected a lot, to apply a lot. So even in my final internship um, in Master 2, I applied like 150 times <laughs> to find an internship. And I got maybe three interviews in the whole bunch of emails I sent, the whole bunch of CVs that you tailor, you adjust. It's very tiring as a process, but it's not because you end up having only three interviews or a lot of rejections that it means that your application is wrong or that your profile is wrong or something is wrong with you and it took me a lot of time to understand that because it hurts to get rejected so many times but I ended up like in the three interviews having two top law firms replying to me so it was okay it's just you need to understand that they receive hundreds of CVs all the time and trust the process that the good match is going to come for you but be ready to do the work and it's a hard work so i my recommendation will be to start as early as possible because it was very beneficial for me to have so many internships in my cv to get where i wanted to go because these previous years i didn't know what type of lawyer i wanted to be where i wanted to practice so i tried a small practice then a medium one then a big firm then you see like different areas of law, commercial, then more uh, criminal law. It's the exposure that is really important because as I said, you never know how it's gonna be in practice until you get there. So you need to have an idea of what it looks like. Maybe you will fall in love with IP law. Maybe you will fall in love with 
criminal law that if you don't try it, you will never know. And it's a bit sad to spend years in the wrong field and figure out that you missed something. Um, and it also helps, of course, to find your final internship if people see that you worked hard in the first years and you were exposed to this so they can trust you more, delegate more work and you grow faster. So yeah, my advice will be to really start early, be ready to <laughs> be rejected a lot, but stick to it. Uh, you are duly qualified as a solicitor of England and Wales, as well as an attorney with a Paris firm. Can you explain to us how uh, you became a solicitor of England and Wales? Mm, that was a painful journey. <laughs> so I first qualified as a French lawyer, which was already painful. But I didn't know it's gonna get worse <laughs> later on. So I qualified in France and then I moved to Singapore. And when I moved to Singapore, I realized that actually being a lawyer, a French lawyer was not enough because you're in a common law country and for them you come from a civil law background and you don't really have the same automatism than them. You don't really have the same way of thinking, same way of approaching case law or approaching like things that are more particular to common law. Um, for us, we would rely a lot on our articles, on the books, and common law is quite different. And they tend to not trust you that, that much, which was fair, actually. I understood it. I was not ready for it. Just graduating as a fresh lawyer, I thought I could do anything now, and it's the start of my career. Then I just realized that, oh, my God, there is another gap. <laughs> and this is why I decided to take uh, the exam. So it It's called the QLTS, so it's um, equivalent to for lawyers to become UK qualified. So it's only lawyers taking that exam, not students uh, trying to qualify in UK. It's another path. Mm, and we had two exams, so it started with um, multiple choice exam. You have to prepare different topics, uh, different areas of law, and then It's a bit disturbing because in France, we don't do multiple choice exams. We do uh, dissertations and we like commentaries and a lot of writing. And here it's even on tax, even on like property law. It's a lot of areas and you just have like a short time to just say this answer or this answer and all the answers are similar. Like it's one word that will change. So it's very challenging. And I was uh, working at the same time. So yeah, it, it was a, an incredible challenge, but I did learn a lot. The second part of the exam is a mix of oral exams and written exams where we would draft and we would also have client meetings. So it's testing our skills as lawyers to have a, so it's an actor who's coming to play the client and in different areas of law, you would welcome the client and really ask all the key questions, get all your information, then get to the written exam with everything you collected. So if you miss something, it's gonna impact the next exam. <laughs> so <laughs> it was quite crazy. And the all exams took place in London. So I had to fly to London from Singapore to take, I think it was around 18 exams, the mix of written and oral. And it's very impressive because when you reach there, you have lawyers from 
pretty much all over the globe and like some of them are very experienced like uh, some of them are in their 50s some I like feel very comfortable with this whole thing of speaking to a client and drafting and all because they did that their entire life and for me I just have maybe one year of experience <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was very intimidated but um it turned out okay surprisingly <laughs> but yeah it was challenging what is the advice you would have loved to receive when you were an undergraduate student that's a difficult question because you learn every day on your path i think i would have loved uh, for a lawyer to tell me that all the answers are not gonna be there when I start practicing, that it's gonna challenge my thinking, that I will find ease with this and that, and maybe a different area that I didn't expect, and that it's okay, we still grow from there, and lawyers tend to change areas of practice or start doing something new or get involved in a new area that didn't exist before. So yeah, I would, I think I would have loved to have a mentor like this. And I will think um, my advice for young people would be to, as I said, really get as much exposure as they can to different areas of law and different ways to practice law, because um, it's very uh, big and it can be very different from a law firm to another, depending on the size, the type of management. So the more you get used to all that and you start knowing what exactly is it that you want and the way you want to be managed, the flexibility you want to have, the areas of law that you're really passionate about, it's easier to craft your career then. And starting that early is really the best. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much for joining me uh, in today's podcast. This was my last uh, question and uh, all the best with your future. Thank you. Thanks a lot. All the best to all of you, uh, you and your listeners. And if anyone has questions for me, I'll be happy to answer them so they can reach me on LinkedIn. Uh, it will be a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Ian. Thank you.